Hello, my name is Colleen Dietz. And I'm Miranda Crandall. We are the Angels on Fire. And this is Mormon Happy Hour. We are two post-Mormon gals bringing you the hottest topics in Mormonism. We will keep you current, keep you entertained, and keep you tuned in. Welcome to episode 21. So on our agenda today, we have our life pro tip is first-time drinker's advice. And then next we will be talking about the Protect LDS Children was mentioned in an article in Australia. So we will talk about that and the publicity it's getting overseas. Next we address a screenshot that got passed around social media addressing mental illness and conflating it with inability to feel the spirit as published on LDS.org. And we actually have a guest expert with us, Tim Burt. And he has some great advice to share with us on his reaction to that particular screenshot. Tim Burt is also going to talk to us about his reaction to the recent divorce of the LDS Church with the Boy Scouts program that it was announced just recently, an official divorce. Also, I wanted to share an update on the sister missionaries that come to my house each week. There's an unfortunate update on that little saga. And in celebration of Mother's Day, we will read you some awesome Yo Mama So Mormon jokes. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all we have for today. So let's go ahead and get started on that life pro tip. So tips for first time drinkers. Colleen, you kind of reached out to the community and you asked, what are people's favorite tips for drinking, right? Yeah. So I asked them um, in a couple of um, more drinking-friendly Facebook groups, and then I also did some Googling and got found a great thread on Reddit about it. That's what I used to kind of compile some tips. So I have tried to group these into similar topics and kind of flow through, so bear with us. And we're going to bring you some of our uh, collected and important things. Um, since I figured since we were talking about alcohol so much on this show, yeah. and since so many of us grew up, our childhood did not involve any experimentation like a normal human being might experiment with alcohol. Right. So then all of a sudden we just, uh, you know, we can't like just flip a switch from alcohol being evil to all of a sudden now it's something that we can experience. Right. It's so still kind of like we... a scary thing. So yeah. here are yeah. tips for first time drinkers. All right. So first of all, drink with people you trust always, not just when you're new. That's a really good rule of thumb. Don't ever, you know, make plans to get really stupid drunk if there's someone there or a group of people there that you either don't know or don't feel comfortable with. Yeah. Miranda, you were talking about your first time was with your husband. Yeah, yeah. My first time getting drunk, trying alcohol at all was at home with my husband. So we had a safe environment. If one of us wanted to get stupid drunk to try it out, see what it was like, Mm -hmm. then the other one would make sure to limit ourselves because we have, one, we have children at home, Mm -hmm. and two... If something were to happen to one of us, then one of us needs to be coherent and able to drive us to the hospital or right or call for help, call for help or something. Mm-hmm. I like your plan. That's a good that's a good first step. Yeah, you, you had someone, you had a safe environment, mm-hmm. you had a plan, and we got to know our limits that way as well. Yeah, and we you know don't you don't like. have you don't have to play that way forever. Yeah, but it's good to start that way so that you know. 
a good plan suggestion that I actually read was to pick one friend you trust um, to just go out and have a chill night, maybe pick up a, a supply of whatever you want to start drinking first and sit your ass down and take it slow. You can put on a movie, sit by the fire, have a great conversation and you just keep a, another tip I read is to keep a running total of how many times you've peed. <laughs> and when you can no longer come up with a definite number, you're drunk. <laughs> okay, that's a good I was one. like, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, if you go out drinking for the first time or even, this is actually an every time rule, never accept a drink from someone at a bar. Always get it from the bartender instead. So if you're at, if you're in a dating situation or you're in, in a bar when someone's like, hey, can I buy you a drink? And you say, sure. Can I get it from the bartender? And so then you go and get it directly from whoever mixed your drink. You don't get or it from a person. I'll go get it from the bartender. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, never, this is another um, every time rule never leave your drink unattended in a public or party setting. Also, never leave a drunk friend unattended. If you set up a buddy system, someone needs to say, stay sober enough to watch out for the other one. And that's um, like, that's, I think, one of. Um, one of my concerns, especially like with a podcast and with talking about alcohol with people that are completely inexperienced, if, especially if you're young, um, I get a lot of flashbacks of like college situations, frat parties where things go terribly wrong. And so going into those type of a situations, if, you know, with a buddy system, like have some like, hey, we're going to go together. You look out for me. I look out for you. Yeah, because if you both get stupid drunk, then you're both you're in a vulnerable situation that I that concerns me. Right. <laughs> that sure. me. For sure. The best way to avoid drunk driving is to not drive to the location where you're drinking. Surprise. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> so fundamentally awesome. Um, you can Uber to the location that you're going to be drinking, like a bar or someone else's house, or have a designated driver, or drink at home, or plan to spend the night wherever you're going. That's always an option, like, especially if you're drinking with friends or at a friend's house. Yeah. Just... That's something that we that I learned from my husband real fast. Like, if you want to have a good night, you know, you don't want people to have to sober up before they go home because that could yeah. take a couple of hours of like awkward. Someone's on your couch. Like, just hey, spend the night, figure it out in the morning when everyone's sober and you can drive. Yeah. So that's a really good option. Um, don't start off with a bunch of shots if you, this is your first venture in alcohol. If you start slamming shots right at the beginning, those shots will take a lot of time, up to 45 minutes to really hit your system. So if you have consumed a, a, a huge amount of shots thinking that you're going to feel it right away, then by the time 45 minutes hits, your night yeah. is over. And that goes for <laughs> jello shots too. Jello shots take like, what, an hour? I don't know. And metabolize is more like food. And so it takes way longer. longer to so get you're your doing jello shots every 15, 20 minutes because you don't feel anything. Then all of a sudden you're on the floor. <laughs> so take it slowly. And depending on if you have food in your stomach or not, the shots are going to take um, a different amount of time to metabolize. In other words, if you have no food in your stomach, then your alcohol is going to hit you fast. Yeah and hard if you want your night to last longer then um, having a good meal with that's heavy in carbs maybe grease basically bar food bar food will help your night last longer all right i think that's pretty much it yeah did you have any anything i left out no i think i think it was great all right so this week on may 5th there was an article published on the front page of the sydney morning herald which that is sydney australia the title of the article is Mormons Asked Children Invasive Questions About Sex. 
So the article is a great synopsis of the Protect LDS Children movement, the issues surrounding worthiness interviews in terms of the LDS Church. These are all topics that we have talked about previously, but it is a great and thorough, it was a long article, and it's very thorough in exploring the issues with the practice. And there are lots of personal experiences of actual Aussies that were interviewed and accounted in the article, which which is great to make it local and make it very applicable and relevant to the population of Australia, which was great. So Sam's continuing to push the Protect LDS Children agenda. And so we're going to include a link of his further steps. Look for his um, action plan for June 10th, and we'll include that in the show notes. So this past week on, um, there was a screenshot that was passed around social media of a particular question and answer that can be found on LDS.org under the subheading of mental health. And the question is, I can't feel the spirit. Is it my fault that I'm struggling or do I just need more faith? And once you click into that particular question for the answer that is provided, The answer is an inability to feel the spirit or a general feeling of apathy or numbness is often a symptom of poor mental health. So this, um, and it goes on, but uh, that initial sentence, there were some concerns that I had initially and a lot of other mental health professionals on social media within, you know, the church culture immediately had some concerns with. And so to kind of help us have a more balanced and um, expert approach on these issues, we asked our good friend and listener, Tim Burt, to come on the show and kind of provide his feedback and and his expert opinion on exactly what maybe the concerns might be in this particular issue. So, Tim, thank you so much for being willing to come on the show and share with us your your response to this particular issue. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be on the show. I've listened to a number of your podcasts, and it's an honor to be on with you. Thank you. So what was your response, or what are your concerns with that, just that initial question and that, that first answer? So I'm a clinical mental health uh, provider. I'm a licensed professional counselor and a marriage and family therapist, and I'm part of the Mormon Mental Health Association. So I work with people with mental illnesses and with people who have struggled with depression and anxiety and so forth. So when I first read this response, the inability to feel the spirit or a general feeling of apathy or numbness is often a symptom of poor mental health, I stopped and I said, wait a minute. Um, yes, feeling of apathy or numbness can be, you know, a symptom in depression or, you know, certain types of anxiety and so forth. But I didn't equate that with not being able to hear the spirit or feel the spirit. And so they also talk about feeling the spirit. And so I think they're trying to equate that with a feeling that they may have and, and trying to equate any feelings that you have is how you feel the spirit, or how the spirit is communicating with us. And so um, definitely a, every time we have a feeling of apathy or numbness, that's that doesn't seem to me like that that should be an answer to prayer or necessarily a sense a, a something about the spirit it has more to do with with our mood with our affect uh what's going on with us um, and certainly at a certain level that can be mental, poor mental health but um i don't think that's feeling the spirit of emotions are necessarily how we can best gauge where the spirit is or what mental health is Exactly. And and as I kind of thought about that, like exactly like you said, the general feeling of apathy or numbness is is absolutely textbook a symptom of depression and many other mental illnesses. But then to immediately follow it with um, you know, an inability to feel the spirit is a symptom of poor mental health, like my concern automatically was that it may create a problem where there isn't one. 
Like I, I I'm right. not feeling the spirit and, and you know, maybe this individual is struggling with their testimony. They may be verging into a faith crisis where they're not quite sure, you know, if they believe that there is a spirit to be that, that may be speaking with them and to throw in symptoms of depression and equate it with, you know, an inability to feel this spirit that they may not be sure exists. I think that can be very damaging and send these mixed signals of like, wait, so if I don't feel this spirit, if I don't believe what's what's being told to me, then that means I'm mentally ill. And then that means there's something wrong with me. And and that's where I kind of see the problem. So right. do you have any feedback on that? Yeah, it's almost like blaming the victim and exactly. saying that because I can't feel the spirit, I must be mentally ill. And a lot of people think they have a very profound you know, understanding or opinion about what a mental illness might be. And so they're going, wow, I'm really sick because... God can't communicate with me. Now there's something wrong with me, like you said. Right. Um, where what happens frequently is that you know, we have emotions all the time. And we also have feelings of, you know, things are right or wrong based on our our way that we put together our cognitive schema or our belief, belief system or how we, you know, look at the world. If you think for some reason eating chocolate is wrong and then you eat chocolate, you're going to feel bad, you know, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. But that's not necessarily an, uh, a touchstone to truth. And so equating emotions to the spirit and the spirit to answers, and then we don't feel like we're getting answers. We must be crazy. It's our fault. I mean, that's, there are big problems with that. Right. It's not out of character for the church to pull something like this, to say that, oh, it's your fault that you can't feel the spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do you think, Tim, that using mental illness is a, is a newer spin, a newer response that the church has had, or have they always kind of used this card? Well, I don't know that they've said that if you can't feel the spirit, you're mentally ill in the past. And I hope that that's not what people, you know, it seems to be what they may be equating it here, and it's certainly not the case. There are real mental illnesses, and there really are people who do have a feeling of apathy and numbness in their life, and they may be having symptoms of depression. That is not necessarily the whole idea in the past they've created to this, you know, stupor of thought or something like that that. Mm-hmm. Um, just the problem with thinking that we can find truth by our emotions is is difficult. Mm-hmm. And so um, really, if we are feeling like apathetic and we're and feeling numbness and so forth, yes, we do need to, you know, evaluate ourselves and maybe seek the help of a mental health professional. What they're saying to do is, you know, counsel with others, remember what you knew, fill your home with light and check in with yourself. It's kind of what they were saying is if you don't get answers to prayer or, or you're not feeling the spirit, you know, I would say, you know, seek mental health. Um, if you're really feeling, you know, depressed, exercise, sleep, eat, you know, get your, your day straightened out. And you can consult with others to see where you're at. And, you know, do we act our way out of depression? We don't necessarily feel our way out of depression. So right. um, those are kind of things that we could look at. But the whole differentiation of what is the spirit and what is my emotion, you know, have, being able to look at that and differentiate that um, is, is important. And I think that that's equated far too much in the church. And we think of emotions as somehow the spirit. Now, if my emotions are bad, I must be bad. And then I must be doing something wrong. And that's coming from God. That's really, I think, dangerous. Yeah. Are you really touched on where I think the, the danger and the harm is right there? Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, thank you so much for your feedback. I, I think, and I like how you tied in the bullets that they talked about and how those 
aren't really the steps to get you out of depression where I feel like this first sentence describes depression. And so, and I mean, the whole thing is mental illness. So obviously we're here talking about depression, but then they're pulling in this whole like communication with the spirit inappropriately. And one more thing is we do uh, credit the church with having something on their website about mental health. Right. That's new. And there actually are some links to outside sources, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, this we just need to sharpen that up a lot more and equating, you know, not being able to feel the spirit is a sign that you maybe have poor mental health. That's not a good start. Right. OK, I agree. So, you know, good job, LDS Church, for having a link up. Now, hopefully they can be a little receptive to some professional critique of the information provided and and maybe make some changes, hopefully. Right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> because a lot of people are going to be listening because there are a lot of members of the church and i think that they have quite a, a solemn responsibility to be providing the best care and advice possible for sure right so you also had some thoughts about the boy scout issue so what are your thoughts about the church completely pulling out of the boy scout program and their plans to revamp and redo the youth program completely Well, the church has been involved as a sponsor organization in allowing local units to become charter organizations for the Boy Scouts, um, both in this country and other countries. And this country has been almost over 100 years, 105, 107 years. So that's a long, long role. Um, Part of the problem that I see is that the church is taking this from the top down. It's not um, saying that we're not going to have Boy Scouts as part of our official program anymore, but... If a unit wants to charter a, a, a scout troop or a Cub Scout pack or a venture crew, you can do it on your own and still use church resources. It just All you have to have is five adults to create their own charter organization, and we can use the church resources. There are lots of boys and many girls who would like to be involved, still involved in scouting, and many, many scouters would like to go on. Part of the problem all with the church scouting program has been it's been compulsory. You know, both the leaders were called as part of a calling, and the boys were automatically enrolled and some of those boys and some of those leaders didn't want to do it and that was one of the problems with LDS scouting if we made it a voluntary program it would be much better my first complaint is that it was has always been compulsory and their first problem when they try to fix it is they just want to scrap the whole thing and instead you allow if in some wards and some branches in some countries scouting may be a thing that kids want to do either voluntarily or part of the normal program let them do it if not they don't have to do it the second problem is that Scouting provided lots of resources for youth, uh, especially for boys. Scout camps, um, training, and and all the resources that come with it came with the scouting program. Also, the ability to raise funds. I mean, if you go out and do a fundraiser for the Boy Scout, it's a lot different than saying, go out and say, I want to do a car wash to, you know, or, you know, mow your lawn or do this big project for my local church, you know, to right. make me to go to go to camp or something. So right. The church is losing lots of ability to connect with resources of the Boy Scouts that have been given by hard work and donations from all around the, the, the world. And also it's losing its ability to fundraise. So my, my concern is that the programs we will have won't be as well funded and won't have the benefit of those resources. The third point is, which really is important, is scouting provides, at least for young boys, all of the background checks and all of the you know, youth safety piece. 
In my stake, we are implementing every primary worker, young men's work person, and person with the working with the young women's has to go through the Boy Scout training on wow. youth protection because it's really good because that's how we're trying to implement something to keep child safety. So that's the state president, state president has implemented that, you know, just a couple weeks ago, and so that's really good because we had no training on the local level for people working with kids, and that has to do with new changes like you can't even text a kid. By yourself without putting a, a, another text to an adult so right. you're not one-on-one -on -one, and you're not no one-on-one -on -one contact too deep leadership all of those principles around um, around things that you can't stay in a tent with a kid alone you can't you know can't be long behind closed doors all of those come with the with the scout youth protection mm -hmm. and that is really good now certainly scouts have had problems in the past but they're doing a fairly good job on doing that so we're going away from all those resources of having a youth protection program uh, and also the guide for safe scouting. It tells you what you can do and can't do. Sometimes it's a bit of a hassle, but you know, I, I teach rock climbing with the Boy Scouts, and you know, my local stake wanted to just go do a climbing trip without the Boy Scouts. I said, hey, wait, you know, you're gonna have to go hire professional guides, or you can do yeah. it through the Boy Scouts, and we can do it. Yeah. Of course, we have to follow our standards, which say, you know, that we have to do it safely. You know, and yeah. so there is no youth protection, no safety training with this new program. And it's evident because the church ended venturing program as of January 1st, 2018. Okay, so no longer are they registering venture scouts. So that's 14 and older. Yeah. Now, some of those boys are still in scouting, but there's some places that they aren't. Did the church come up with a new program in January 1, 2018 to get background checks for those youth, for those leaders? Did they come up with a new program on how to make sure that those high adventure programs were safe? They didn't. Right, right. So, what are they going to do now with this whole program? I hope that they're going to—they need to come up with those standards at least to make it safe. They need to come up with ways to have raise money and yeah. also benefit from resources. And so, um, right now, there is one good thing that they could do: they could revamp programs and make girls and boys more integrated in, you know, and make the programs really work better for boys and girls together, young young men, young women together, and have more joint programs. But the scouting was just about to do that. And then they backed out. So I'm not sure, you know, if scouting was going to allow that, if their problem was that young women's were never funded as much. Now here was an opportunity to do that, and that's exactly the time that they bailed. And so that, that doesn't make sense. Right, right. Yeah. In an article I read, it said it may not be a response to the scouting program. Um, the scouting program announced that they're dropping the word boy. It's no longer mm -hmm. Boy Scouts. It's just Scouting BSA or the Scouts. Um and it said the church has not come out and said that them completely backing out from the scouting program is because of that. However, they they announced that they're backing out a week after the scouts had changed the name. So mm -hmm. it looks suspicious. Mm -hmm. Plus, if you consider the fact that they're backing out without any other of the any of these other plans in place, mm -hmm. like you said, they don't have a program. The new revamped program out and ready yet. They yeah. don't have these policies. They don't have these protection programs for the kids. They look really unprepared. If yeah. they're trying to replace the scouting program and incorporate the young women as well, they're doing a pretty poor job of yeah. making it look prepared. It looks very 
Like you're trying that. to get out as fast as it can. It looks very well. And, well, also, the, you know, they're they're saying they're you're remaining with scouting until January first, two thousand twenty. So it's a year and a half away. We're not ending it as of today. You know, they're still in Boy Scouts, still in Cub Scouts until January first, two thousand twenty. But on January first, two thousand eighteen, they ended venture venturing, charting venturing right. clues, right. and they didn't put in any place any any kind of youth protection yeah. or or you know background checks or anything like that for the people working with venture, yeah. you know, the 14 and up venture age scouts now. Mm -hmm. And venture crews have been open to girls for a long time. So mm -hmm. okay. they do have a year and a half to come up with this program, okay. um, which we'll look and wait and see what they're doing. But they've got a lot of work to do and they're going to lose a lot of resources. And, yeah. and mm -hmm. there are a lot of scouters and scouts who are going to want to stay with the program. They did say that they were going to, that they thought that some scouts and scouters would move to community-based programs. And I hope that they do. Now I've talked to my local council and I found out that you only have to have five adults to create your own charter organization. Mm -hmm. So what, what LBS people can do is they can create their own charter organization, then find a place to meet. And that's what I hope that a lot of people will do or go with other community groups that have that. And, and under the new charter, let girls in, you know, cause the, yeah. um, you know, on our, like I was, I was, uh, you know, kayaking and canoeing with our, with our, our scouts, um, yesterday and we had all the young women along with us too really? and so you know we're already incorporating them and so there's a there's a need to do that in the church but it still needs to be done on a safe basis and we need to you know have resources to do it and um, yeah. and and so the whole fundraising thing they've been restricting us fundraising for years and so now how are we going to raise money to go on big trips and so forth um, yeah. I hope that they come up with ways to do it but um, it's going to be difficult. So I'm profoundly disappointed. I encourage them to allow voluntary, you know, for local wards and, and stakes to voluntarily charter organizations, even though it's not part of the, you know, Wednesday night or whatever mutual activities. Um, and if they do that, that will be good. If not, they'll really need to do a transition to outside scouting and make a way that this program's in, they do it inside or safe. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for yeah. your thoughts. Thank you so much, Tim. It was a pleasure to have you on the show, finally. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on. Uh, so, moving right along. I feel <sighs> hey, we have a couple of shots over there. What do we have? Oh, my gosh. Shot break. I brought her some kombucha. We're going to do shots of kombucha today. So this, what is it? Tell this me one it. is dragon fruit lemongrass. All right. All so right. this is my first Cheers. time having kombucha. Oh, cool. Wow. That is delicious. Yeah? It is so refreshing. I was, I was a little nervous about the dragon fruit because um, I personally don't really like dragon fruit. Mm -hmm. But that's more because it's not very... Um, strong mm -hmm. but i think this is fantastic yeah very refreshing yeah and you can kind of taste even on a little shot you can kind of taste the under like almost apple cider vinegar ish hint maybe mm. or was very, it very it's it, very muted though because it was i'm masked. i'm sensitive and i don't really like the vinegar taste yeah so in this flavor it was very masked mm-hmm I'm going to have another one. <laughs> so the reason, if you haven't caught our earlier life pro tip on why kombucha is amazing, it's a probiotic drink. And it's really important for your your probiotic health. Is That pretty much can dictate your overall health. If your probiotics, your, your, your gut flora, if you will, isn't in check. So it's really good to just kind of, it, it's a health thing. 
Some of them have some trace amounts of alcohol, which we covered in a previous episode. We'll yeah. have to, um, we're going to put a link to the previous episode in the show notes of this one, so you can hear me rant and rave about how great kombucha is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out to Delaney Darko. She's our listener that also loves kombucha. Woo! As some of you might have remembered from past episodes, I have some sister missionaries that come over to my house once a week, and they stay for about an hour, and they clean my house with me. Just We just clean the kitchen together and have a great conversation, and that's about it. They've been coming over once a week since December, so we, I've gone through lots of different companionships. They'll, you know, one sister will stay home sick and so they'll go on splits. So I'll meet new sister missionaries. And so I meet lots of new sister missionaries within this time. A dozen or more, you know, have come in and out of my house. And so when a new sister comes into the pair, they inevitably ask questions about why I'm not going to church because I'm inactive. And so and I and I try my best to answer those questions honestly, to be honest to myself and because the reasons why I'm not going to church are important to me. They're issues that, you know, I have chosen to be active about in hopes that change will occur. And so part of that activism is that I, I speak about them. And so I basically very, very briefly say, well, you know, this is why. This is what has happened to me. This is why I think it's important that these X, Y, and Z things change. Yeah. And that goes back to the Protect LDS Children movement. I always kept it brief, but I was honest. Right. So recently, despite, you know, they always come over and they give me a hug. They saw me once in a church building because I went for another event and they like freaked out and like came down the hall, you know, super excited to see me. But they they were not keeping their appointments. They would cancel. They would reschedule. They wouldn't return my text messages. And, and like they stood me up like two or three weeks in a row. And so that was annoying and kind of was I was just attributing it to their age Maybe their immaturity because Being these, flaky, these girls are 19. And I had never experienced that before. So it was like, maybe this is just a bad couple, a bad partnership. They just happened to be immature. I didn't know. So I was trying to set it up with them. And then I got a text message. So the text message was, Hello, Colleen. We are so sorry we have decided not to come by anymore. We feel uncomfortable with the negative conversations about the church each week. We love you and are always here for you if you have questions or need help. We hope you understand. I know that I should have read the signs and not known it was coming and not been yeah. naive, but it had yeah. never happened before and I had had great you know great experiences yeah. for years. So I get the text message and it was like, this sucks. Yeah. Because I had been vulnerable with all of them. I had told them negative experiences in my life, you know, and obviously we had reciprocated. It wasn't a one-way conversation. I would always ask them about, you know, their life. And I had built a relationship with trust with these girls. And so then for them to just cut it off with no warning, you know, it was just, it was really hard. So the response that I sent is, oh, wow, this is unexpected. I have only shared my genuine experiences and feelings with you. I've been vulnerable and real with you. This feels like rejection. This is painful. I guess I don't understand. So then they sent another one. We're sorry that we've made you feel this way. We really do love you, Colleen, and we'll always keep you in our prayers. And I said, no, I don't understand. Wow. I did ask him, like, what negative conversations. I, I just am trying to figure out, you know, I'm trying to think of why what I was critical of that has offended you enough to stay away. And, of course, they never responded to that text. They never responded to me ever again. I mean, so to me, as an outsider, on one hand, it's it's a little obvious, like, well, yeah, anything against the church. Anything that's not praising the name of the prophet. The institution. And, this, and the institution yeah. 
that would be my answer to, to what could you possibly have said. Right. Like anything that's not praising the church. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they felt uncomfortable maybe talking about these things. And so they immediately were like, oh, she doesn't have the spirit. We need to leave. We're not comfortable here. Yeah. And when, you know, it just sucked to have a text message breakup. Yeah. And, and I understand that like being on a mission is, it's a, it's a pressure cooker of emotional development. And Mm. so even as angry and hurt as I am, like I get that I can't be angry at them and and I can wish that they handled me more maturely, but I have no idea what they're personally going through and how my short little snippets of experience or reasons why I'm no longer going to church affected them. Like yeah. maybe it related to them on a very personal level. Maybe. maybe they're also victims or, you know, maybe they've experienced some of the same things and that's going to that's going to affect them profoundly if I'm sharing it and I'm no longer going to church and here they are on a mission having experienced the same thing and now all of a sudden they're questioning. And so they're not gonna want I get that, you know. Yeah. I just and, and I even get that they don't want to come over. That's fine. I don't have a problem with them not coming over if they're not comfortable. I don't want them to come over if they're not comfortable. Yeah. The problem I felt like was was the approach. The text breakup, the immature yeah. way they handled it, they they cut off communication with yeah. me. And they blamed me. I'm, you are being negative. And then they twice said, we love you. We want to serve you. If you ever need any help, please tell us. And I'm like, no, because the only thing, the, literally the only thing I've ever asked of you is like, hey, come help me clean my kitchen every week. That's it. And you can't yeah. do the one thing I've asked. Yeah. So you're insincere. Yeah, completely insincere. And so it just sucks. Yeah. And my thoughts are... Maybe they felt like they had to come because they were sister missionaries mm-hmm. and you felt like you had this relationship with them. You felt like, because you were being real, you were, yeah. you weren't faking anything. No. And they were there out of obligation. Mm-hmm. And so your idea of the relationship and their idea of the relationship were two different things. And Absolutely. then when they realized that they couldn't change you, they couldn't bring you back to the church. The church. Mm-hmm. Then it was, why are they still here? Yeah. You know? And I, they felt uncomfortable because mm-hmm. of the topics. I could be wrong. Maybe they only felt uncomfortable with the topics of discussion and they didn't want to be around that at all. It was bringing them down on their mission or whatever reason that they, they could have brought up. Mm-hmm. They could have come to you and said, hey, exactly. I don't want to talk. If we can't talk about the church in a good way, I don't want to talk about it at all. Totally appropriate. And then, I would have respected that. Absolutely. And and then, like, that's the thing is, like, they were the ones asking the question. I, I They didn't show up and I'm like, hey, I have an agenda of things I'm going to talk to you about that I hate about the church. Like, that yeah. never happened. They asked you, they asked why don't me, you go to church? And I answered. And and I and so I get, I get that that made them uncomfortable, but then how they went about handling and responding to that, I feel like that's where it really hurt me. So um, anyway, that's the end of my rant. I'm sorry to take so much time ranting about no, something. No, I, I, I mean, this is an important thing to you, and this is a big, huge experience, and something that I I think many people can relate to. Yeah. So many people have, whether it's a, a missionary or a family member or a friend, there's always somebody there. They come in and stab with, well, you just need to read your scriptures more. Mm-hmm. Then you'll be a great person. And it's like, what do you think of me? What mm-hmm. do you think of me now? So yeah. we all have somebody like that in our lives. And yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So that was it. <laughs> I'll wrap Unfortunate. that up. So the last thing that we're going to be doing today with you guys in celebration of Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Yesterday. Yay! 
And in honor of our Mormon mamas, we are doing a Yo Mama So Mormon closer to our episode today. Woo! All right. So we're just going to go right through these because they're awesome. So buckle up. Um, make sure you don't have any liquid in your mouth. Well. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to come out your nose. All right. Ready? You want to start? Yo Mama So Mormon. She thinks a coffee table will encourage people to drink coffee. <gasps> <laughs> Yo, Mama's so Mormon. She thinks the title "Saturday's Warriors" is too violent. Your Mama's so Mormon. Her legs or shoulders have never seen the sun. <laughs> Yo, Mama's so Mormon. She can't decide whether to do canning or genealogy. <laughs> Your Mama's so Mormon. Gee whiz is a swear word. <laughs> Yo, Mama's so Mormon. She doesn't drink root beer, so she can avoid the appearance of evil. <laughs> Your mama's so Mormon, she won't let you watch The Little Mermaid because Ariel is awfully slutty in that bikini top. <laughs> Your mama's so Mormon, she won't play chess because she thinks the queen has been given too much power. Your mama's so Mormon, she wallpapered using flannel boards so she can have FHE in any room of the house. <laughs> Oh, man. Your mama's so Mormon, she even put shredded carrots and cheese in the Chuckarama buffet jello. Your mama's so Mormon, she's looking forward to seeing Johnny Lingo become white and delightsome. <laughs> Your mama's so Mormon, she never expresses frustration or disdain. She bottles it up and reads Enzyme articles or just plays church videos at home while insisting that all listen. <laughs> Personal experience, maybe? <laughs> sounds, sounds realistic. Your mom is so Mormon, she thinks the term primary elections means that the primary leader's calling an election has been made sure. <laughs> Your mom is so Mormon, she won't play t-ball because she thinks it's against the word of wisdom. <laughs> Your mom is so Mormon, she wouldn't sell her tokens for money because she had sufficient for her needs. <laughs> Your mom is so Mormon, she washed your mouth out with soap. When you said the Lord's name in vain. Holla, that happened to me. <laughs> Your mama's so Mormon, she did a cross stitch of the entire text of the proclamation on the family. Wow. <laughs> Your mama's so Mormon, she thought Big League Chew was a violation of the word of wisdom. <laughs> the bubble gum. <laughs> Your mama's so Mormon, she sews matching dresses for her and her sister wives. Oh, burn. <laughs> Oh, this is a good one. <clears throat> Your mom is so Mormon, she called coffee cake breakfast cake, so she wouldn't feel guilty about it. <laughs> Your mom is so Mormon, when she says, I have been so blessed, it means she got three priesthood blessings that day. Ooh. <laughs> Your mom is so Mormon, she thinks saying the word porn makes her an addict. <laughs> I'm going to add, or... Uh, <laughs> Earth porn or food porn. Oh, Those no. are negative and a bad thing. <laughs> right. Your mom is so Mormon. She thinks the missionary position means sitting in front of the room teaching a discussion. <laughs> Can you imagine? Your mom is so Mormon. She won't watch Law and Order SVU because it has iced tea in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Your mom is so Mormon, she thinks Polynesians are islanders who practice polygamy. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. Your mom is so Mormon, she still puts your name on the temple prayer rolls. That's a Mormon mom. <laughs> <laughs> mine still does that. I'm sure mine does, too. The last one I wanted to add, 
Your mom is so Mormon, she only bought her clothes at ZCMI. And when it closed, she had to wait to update her mom jeans until the City Creek Mall opened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (sighs) That's it. Have a blessed Mother's Day. All right. That's all we have for today. Be sure to check out the Mormon Happy Hour podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. Thanks for listening to the Mormon Happy Hour. Cheers. Cheers. Negligent or something. Whoops. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs>